Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. This is what, the, this is what it looks like in the end, i.e. 11 v 11. And then you break down your practice so that it looks like a segment of the game. A part of the game. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A license football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Coaches Network. I'm Coach Yas, and I'm today I'm joined by my co-host, Ben, as usual. Ben, if you want to let them listen to a bit about yourself that I haven't had a chance to yet. Yeah, just a UEFA licence, uh, uh, Masters in Sports Coaching, and uh, currently coaching in the Cat2 Academy. Perfect. And our very special guest today, lead uh, YDP coach, youth development phase coach at Stoke, um, Josh Braille. Hi, guys. Hey, Josh. How are you today, mate? I'm really good. I'm uh, really looking forward to, to to speaking with you both today. So you know, thanks very much for for, for having me on. You know, stuff. Perfect. Well, we'll get straight into it, Josh. Uh, just want to get the listeners on a bit about yourself. You know, where your journey started, and we'll kind of go from there, mate. Yep. Yep. So, uh, in terms of uh, my my coaching journey, I mean, I I was actually uh, on the books at Stoke as a, a player. I signed when I was when I was 13, and I was there to 16. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, I wasn't uh, quite good enough to be offered a scholarship and um, I kind of realised at that point I wasn't going to be a professional footballer and I was always sort of very keen on the uh, on, on understanding the game and felt I had a, a good understanding of the game and, and decided that the next best thing after playing would be to, to coach. So I, I started straight away at the age of 16, uh, just working uh, in, you know, in my local community, uh, really working for... Um, for, for Crow Alexandra in the community and, and just working at weekends, volunteering my services and, and, it, and it all started from there really. And just on that, you know, so you talked about, you know, being signed as a player at 13. When did you really start to begin having those thoughts about what you were going to do next? It's interesting, I've spoken to a few coaches who have been ex-players at clubs um, and, you know, ended up back at the clubs obviously that they've, they were players at um, and they talk about this what-if moment you know, what if it doesn't work out, you know, when did you start having those thoughts? Yeah, for, for me, it was, very, it was very early on. I think, um, you know, as early as sort of 14, I was, I was someone who uh, was sort of picking things up in, in an academy program that obviously was relatively new to me and learning things that I'd never, I'd never, you know, been coached, uh, coached about before. And, and just really enjoyed and embraced, um, you know, picking up those those bits of inf- those pieces of information, sort of certainly technically and tactically. So I think I always had a an ambition to have a playing career first and foremost, but then you know, uh, you know, sort of have a career in the game beyond that as a as a coach or or, or a manager uh, in some capacity. So yeah, quite early on actually. And then just you know, just give us a bit of understanding of how long you've been at Stoke now as a coach. So I've been coaching full time for five years at Stoke. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before that, I uh, uh, so kind of to to, to uh, marry up the dots in between me starting as a community coach at Alexandra uh, yeah. to where I to where I am now. Um, I uh, I did obviously went through my coaching badges as you do and and did those you know quite young my level one and my level two um, and sort of through the community work that I was doing I was able to set up my own grassroots uh, team for a chartered standard club locally and um, I really enjoyed doing that and and I was able to then um, uh, eventually go and uh, do my UA for B. Uh, when I was old enough to do that, there was restrictions at that time around what age I had to be. So when I was, uh, I think, 20 years old, I was able to to enroll onto my UEFA B license, and, and and off the back of completing that, I was I was fortunate enough to be given an opportunity at Port Vale, and I went and worked in the academy uh, part time for Port Vale, uh, initially with uh, with the foundation phase, and did a season there before moving up to the youth development phase, and uh, working with uh, working primarily with the under 13s, and I absolutely loved my time there, and um, I was I was torn really because an opportunity came up to, to, to move across to Stoke and um, initially part-time. And uh, I, I just felt that um, there was going to be more opportunities for me to, to, to sort of get a full-time position uh, working for a, a Cat 1 Academy, you know, as opposed to a Cat 3. So with a heavy heart, I, I made that, uh, that transition across to, to Stoke. And I was very, very fortunate within four months that they, you know, an, an opportunity arose for me to go and work full-time. So um I took uh, I took on the under 11s age group uh, initially uh, in my first season full time, and uh, and I've gradually worked my way in, in the, the five years I've been there to to the position I'm at now, which is uh, the lead uh, the lead face coach across the under 15s and 16s. Mm. So would you say that you know your your specialist area would be working in the youth development phase now then? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I've, I've actually also experienced some open age football as well. So along that journey uh, in the last, uh, well, when I was at Port Vale, I, was, I went and worked uh, for Kids Grove Athletic in, in non-league. So I've had some experience uh, of, of doing non-league, of, you know, do, working with senior players, open age football, and I uh, really enjoyed that. And, and I actually went back there, uh, not, not the season just, uh, just gone or that we're just trying to complete, but the, the season before, and I, was, I worked as the assistant manager there. Um, so I've, I've had a, I've had experience really right across the spectrum from you know working yeah. with foundation phase players all the way up to, to to senior players in in the non-league system. So so I've I've actually got quite a a broad uh, a broad range of experiences. But no, I really mm-hmm. enjoy I do really enjoy working with youth development phase players. Uh, I think it's um, a, a very sort of uh, specialised area in in that there's a lot going on. You know, naturally there's uh, a lot of physical development. Uh, a lot of mental development going on, uh, you know, across those across those ages and beyond, of course. Um, but yeah, there's, it's probably the age the age sort of bracket between that 13s to 16s where there's the biggest amount of range and biggest variety uh, in terms of what you come across. So, um, you know, as I've gained more experience, I think I'm hoping that I've, I'm, I'm starting to understand more. It's it's not necessarily about who who's the the best right now, but actually it's about trying to trying to work out who the ones are. Um, you know, with the most potential, which is, mm. is obviously challenging. Mm. I don't think anyone's got a magic formula for that, but that's, yeah. that's a, a challenge, you know. Yeah, just just uh, on that, like, uh, so at Port Vale, and you're you're doing the the men's side at non-league. But in terms of the practicalities, because it is a reality for coaches. Like, what was exactly paying the bills at that point? Like, yeah. what what were you doing to? You know, keep your head afloat as you're you're building on your experiences and developing. Yeah. So when I was when I was part time at Port Vale, 
and uh, and working at um, working for Kids Grove as well. That was you know on a voluntary basis. Um, I was also working uh, as a uh, as a leisure in a leisure centre as a gym instructor. Okay. So you know that, that was kind of something that I, I fell into um, as as um, you know to, to to ultimately pay the bills. You know when mm. I came out of, of school, went through college, and and um, yeah, I ended up working working as a, a gym instructor. So. Uh, that was that was something that um, you know that was was challenging in terms of juggling everything. But you know, I think I think naturally when you have a passion for doing something, you know, I, I'm never You'll find a I've way. never been motivated by by money really. I'm I'm someone who's got a, a, a ambition to, to to have a career in the game, and, and I, I appreciate and understand that you know that that will take time, and and that ultimately the rewards for um, you know the work that's that's been put in will will financially will happen later on. So. You know, and, and even even since then, I, I worked obviously last year with Kids Grove, as, as I mentioned. And you know, again, that was that wasn't something I did for for additional money. It was it was something I did to to develop myself as part of my my continuous mm. professional development. And again, I was fortunate enough that the football club you know, Stoke allowed me to do that alongside uh, alongside doing my full time role. But again, it was it was it was challenging in terms of juggling juggling that and, and the amount of time that that took as well. So so yeah, you know, it's um, mm. you've got to have a real passion for it to to be prepared to, to not, not put in the sacrifice because I didn't see it as a sacrifice, but, um, but you know, to the time you've got to love it. You've got to love it. Yeah. And you're, you're obviously doing all of this at, um, uh, quite a young age and yeah, you know, rel- I can imagine relative to your, your age mates at that time, uh, they're probably looking at you a bit crazy thinking, why, why is he doing so much? But uh, can you just delve in a bit more in terms of on um, the sacrifices that you would have had to make, uh, at such a young age, there, as you were developing as a coach, yeah, I mean, um, as I say, I, I don't, I don't see it as a sacrifice. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, I mean, for sure, I think the the biggest challenge for for me certainly when um, you know you you make the jump, whether it be from working with younger players to to youth development phase players, or whether it be going from working with um, uh, you know going and working with senior players for the first time, I think you have to be comfortable with. Uh, being uncomfortable and, and you know being taken out of your comfort zone and um, as you mentioned you know being quite a young coach going into a into senior football um, I, I had to I had to be highly adaptable and, and improve myself you know I think it would have been very there would have been eyebrows raised initially the first time some of the players saw me because they would have they maybe would have uh, uh, been inclined to think well, well well who's this who's this young guy who, you know who's done who's done nothing what who does he think he is what why should I listen to him so you've got to build those those relationships quickly and, and earn that trust so that that's probably the biggest challenge you know in the sense that you've got to be you've got to be prepared to to, to take that leap of faith and and, and have self-belief but also be very humble with it and 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 um and and accept there's going to be challenging moments where you've got to you've, mm. you've got to be prepared with being uncomfortable for sure and, and just in regards to oh go on yes no, no, okay. All right. So, in regards to like the practicalities of the the sessions that you're doing, so you're obviously coaching men's, and then you've done foundation phase and YDP at Portville. Yeah. Um, what was some of the practicalities that you saw, like in terms of coaching to win and coaching for development? Yeah. So, um, I mean, for, for sure, I think that you know there are there are huge there are huge differences between working across across the spectrum from the you know from foundation phase players through to to uh, senior football you know absolutely um, you know working in, in, in senior men's football you're 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 setting a 
a team up to try and, and, and try and gain three points. You know, whereas with younger, working with younger players, it's it has to be about developing those individuals. Um, you know, and, and teams winning teams uh, is is something that you know I, I still think is is um, a, a small problem or a big problem. Sorry that we that we do have at the moment. Um, not with all coaches, but but there are still coaches. I think that you know working working in in with young players who who maybe don't quite understand the 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 importance of developing players individually and how that can uh, trade off against potentially winning a game of football, um, which in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. So I think there there are major differences, but but equally there are there are lots of similarities. I think that you know working with uh, senior players from my experience and also listening to, to people who are working in the, at the top level of the game now as well, you know, first team managers and coaches. And I do think there are similarities, you know, I think that um, the game is, you know, I think we're, we're seeing now that some football clubs are even employing individualist, individual uh, specialist coaches, you know, to work with individual mm. players. So there is still, um, there, there are still similarities whereby even at the top end, there's a, a huge focus on developing individuals as well. So you know, uh, I think that I think that um, without wanting to sound contradictory, that there are there are major differences in, in in the sense that obviously at the top end it's about winning the games, um, winning the next game, and focusing on the next game and thinking about the opposition and how you might be able to gain an advantage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas uh, at the uh, the younger end in, in development football, it's it's got to be about the individual. It's got to be about um, creating an environment that's that's fun and making players. Uh, uh, feel like they've got freedom to express themselves and trying to develop elite technicians that that ultimately are going to be be able to handle the ball at the at the, the highest the highest level in in years to come. Definitely, just I want to take you back a little bit on something you said there about you know building relationships. Yeah. What would you say are some of the key things that coaches should be maybe considering when they are looking to build those relationships? Because you know, going into new environments, as you said, you know. Some of the challenges that you could have had is that you know they come into, especially going into that non-league environment, working with kids grow. It could easily have looked. You said, "Well, who's this young kid? You've probably got players older than you in the yeah. in the squad, looking at you, thinking I'm not going to listen to you." What was you know? How did you overcome some of that? What were the, some of the key considerations you'd maybe ask coaches to make who might be put in a similar situation at some point? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question. Um, I, I'm more recently in, in my time last season, there's players. In, in the uh, in the team who've who've had professional careers, you know, one one's even played in the Premier League. So you, you're absolutely spot on. It's it's a real um, it's a real challenge that and try. I think I think the most important thing is being able to develop uh, that rapport to, to ultimately earn the players' trust. You know that that's the that's the the end goal. You've got to earn the, somebody's trust, um, and and they've got to they've got to believe that that um, you know what 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 you're or well, the way that you're operating is is um, you know ties in with with the the way that they've um, you know the, the things that, they, that they've experienced throughout their career. So you know building a rapport with players early on is important, and I don't mean that that means you um, you, uh, you you necessarily have to be a, become a joker, and and, and you, I think because that's a, that's really dangerous as well. You've got to be authentic, and you have to be you have to be you. Um, but I think that what I would what I would say is that. When I talk about building rapport, I think that you have to listen, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest things I've learned as I've as I've developed. You know, I think that you go through the coaching courses, and they were different when I 
did the coaching courses when I started my coaching, my level one coaching badge 12 years ago, it was very different mm. then to what it is now. And, you know, it was, it was you had to tick certain boxes and it was quite textbook um, in, in a lot of ways. And, and I took that into my coaching sessions in that I, I uh, was very, because of a lack, you know, through a lack of experience, I didn't know any better, but I, I, I used um, opportunities to stop things and coach things that may not have needed to be coached because I felt yeah. that that was just a logical order that I had to coach point A before I coached point B. And, but I think yeah. going back to, to, to working with, you know, players and, and building that rapport, listening to players, you know, and, um, and, 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 and trying to understand uh, what it is that they, they, that they want and, and what they, and how they, um, uh, how they sort of, um, or what they believe in to, to ultimately try and uh, ensure that you're on the same page. You know, you, you don't want to uh, be so um, rigid that you, you can't adapt and, and that, um, you know, that, that, that players kind of go, oh, I'm not with you. I'm, I, you know, I, I don't believe in this way and, and you've lost me. I think you've got to be, be able to, to, to adapt. That's a, a, really, a really key message, I think. Definitely. I just want to say, you know, something else that you mentioned there about uh, you know, the coaching pathway yourself. You know, you went on to the level one about twelve years ago. Um, you know, you said you later on you went down, went and done your A license. When exactly did you do your A license? Uh, so I started my A license um, over just over five years ago. Um, so okay, so just before they made the changes to how the pathway. Yeah, was well, yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, I was on the very first course um, that kind of was. Sorry, the part I did, it was two parts. So the, the first yeah. part I did on the old, in the old yeah. format. And then the second yeah. part I did the following year, there'd been this okay. transition between the, the way the A license used to be delivered to what, the way it is now. In, right. in that, you know, it was no longer a, a formal assessment at the end of a, a, yeah. a, block, a, period, of, a period of work. So, so yeah, that was, that was interesting in that I, I was kind of in that, in that, I was doing the course in that sort of transition. Course, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um... I think I actually had a couple of my, my old colleagues that might have been on that course with you. I mean, I actually, I actually went through the transition similar to yourself around the same time where I actually was on the first course that was full in the in the new format, essentially. Okay. Um, having gone through that, which is the major differences for you? Because I know I, I've had this conversation with many coaches and a lot of coaches feel that in, in the in, in past, they may be still present, they want to go into these courses to maybe develop a deeper understanding of the technical aspect of the game. Uh, which is traditionally what the courses were, I guess, built around. Obviously, you know, we had the youth, the youth award came in in around two thousand and eleven ish sort of time, and there was almost this, uh, this, this split society of coaches, where some were going down the whole youth award route, some were going down the whole traditional pathway, and it was almost a contradiction, almost because it wasn't, no one was too sure what to do. But ultimately, when it came to the you know the level one, the two, and the UFD and whatnot, was sharp they. Do it, do it, the tutor says, and then you get you get yourself ticked off. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, um, I think, I think the, the the sort of newer format is certainly uh, more conducive to to development, to, to true coach development, for sure. Uh, I think, I think that you you spot on about the the sort of um, perception that there was there was two sort of different strands, and that they were they kind of were a little bit contradictory. There maybe were two different ways of working. And I think, I think it's really important that, um, again, it's everything. It's like there's, you know, 
this, there's a continuum. There's a, there's a spectrum that you're working on. And, and I suppose that you've got at one end of the spectrum, sort of very direct uh, command style instruction based uh, coaching. And at the other end, yep. you've got that um, sort of free play, um, you know, methodology whereby there's a lot more uh, opportunities for experimentation and, 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 and trial and error. So I think that there's no, I think what's really important again is that it's about understanding where you are as a coach in terms of what you're delivering mm. and the potential trade-offs of the, of the, 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 the sort of method or the strategy that you're using. There is no, there's no sort of right or wrong. You know, you, you can coach some technique through giving uh, instruction-based um, information and yeah. trying to get players to, to replicate and copy a technique for sure and, and giving them that opportunity to, to, to repeat that um, a, a simple technique is, is, you know, there's lots of value in that. Equally, it has its trade-offs, you know, which, uh, which when you look at the other end of the spectrum, that ability to, 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 to be in an environment of play whereby things are random and, and players are, um, are obviously able to, to uh, you know, be a bit more... Um, expressive. Yeah, expressive is, is, is the word, yeah. You know, that there, are, there are advantages to, to, to each, each method. So it's important that you, I think as a coach, you understand that you can move along that continuum and that there is uh, ultimately no right or wrong. And, and I think that, you know, if you understand where your biases lie in terms of what your preferred method is, again, that, that probably will really help so that you can, um, you know, maybe not be too rigid in being stuck in that, in that one particular area, you know, uh, it's important to, to to have beliefs and and, and you know uh, and, and having a preferred method is is something that obviously everybody has and um, you know I'm I'm a, a huge a huge advocate of of the um, the youth award stuff you know as I was coming through it made a lot of sense to me and by the time I'd gotten to the because because actually when I initially applied for my uh, UEFA uh, when I initially applied for my UEFA B uh, the first time I actually got turned down. Yeah, and um, and and uh, the 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 guy from the FA told me that you know I should be looking to do these youth awards, mm. um, and then I was just disillusioned. I was like, I don't want to do these youth <laughs> awards. I want to do my UAC. I want to work in an academy because because obviously they were new and I didn't understand what they were. And obviously I know that they, they've you know they've they've progressed a lot now and they they kind of intertwine. But um, yeah, but yeah, I didn't want to do them so. But actually, by doing them, it was one of the best things I I, I could have done, I think, because it yeah. did make it did really help me to understand that oh, hope doesn't necessarily have to be stop standstill, um, and that there are different ways of of, uh, of of delivering delivering coaching delivering you know coaching sessions. Mm. So, yeah, I think it was um, I think it's it's a much better format now, um, and and I, I think that um, I do I do think it's important that people go well. I'm not one way or the other. I think it's important people understand that there is a uh, everyone's got their preferred style but that they're equally um they're able to sort of work along that continuum and obviously the more experience you gain uh hopefully the the the, the easier that that becomes definitely and you know, i just want to touch on that you know you talk about uh getting turned away for, for your initial application for the ua for b now increasingly now what i what i, what I see is that that's it's happening for a lot of coaches obviously demand is getting greater there's a lot more level ones uh, becoming level twos and level twos preparing to do their B's licenses, but there's not that many courses. In fact, I think last year there was even a, a freeze on any UEFA B courses and it, while they go through maybe some sort of restructure right. or remodel of how that's going to look. 
what would you, you know, what would you say to those coaches that maybe been turned down for UEFA B? Because I know that it's similar to what you said. They know I want my UEFA B. Um, they're in a rush to get it sometimes, and yeah, I, I think sometimes they may be too eager to get the qualification, and maybe not too sure why they want the qualification itself. What would your advice be to those coaches, maybe in a similar a similar position? Yeah, in terms of what they can do with their with their own situation in terms of their development. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you've asked me this actually because um, you know I, it's probably similar to yourself. I do see see people posting on social media, you know, airing their frustrations at at, mm. uh, at being rejected and maybe rejected again or for the umpteenth time. And um, I, I really do sort of empathise uh, with with people in that situation. I think it's really hard because I know that when I was in, you know, back at, at that point on, on my journey, I was a coach who, who, who wanted uh, to, uh, I kind of felt maybe I was, I was ready. And, and even now back looking back, I would say, yeah, I, I felt ready and, and I probably was ready, but I think it's, um, it's important that particularly for young coaches, you, you remember that there's not, a, there's no rush. And, and again, listen. If I, if I was going back and speaking to to sort of uh, myself as a as a an eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one year old, I'd I'd be saying exactly that. You know, I mean, I'm twenty eight now, so I'm I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly uh, you know not um, massively experienced in comparison to a lot of coaches. But I would I would look back and tell myself, you know, don't be in so much of a rush. Um, understand there's going to be bumps in the road and. And, and there's nothing more valuable than being able to get out and, uh, and and get on the grass yourself and build up that that sort of skill set through trial and error, like similar to what we've just spoke about um, in, in terms of the uh, in, in terms of the players and and, and that sort of uh, continuum. And, and at the other at one end of the spectrum, you've got that ability to to to, to have trial and error and experimentation. Well, we have that opportunity mm. as coaches as well, you know. So mm. you know get out into your, into your environment and uh, wherever that may be and coach and, and uh, you know, reflect on your practice and, and, and try and seek feedback from others where possible and, and try and um, try and better yourself whilst, you know, whilst you're, you're, you're not uh, in control of, of, of ultimately being able to get onto the, a course, you know, that that's another really important message. You, you know, you, you've got to be, you've got to be able to um, understand and, and remember that you can only control the controllables. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what you're not in control of is is whether or not your your application is going to be uh, accepted, whether or not the the FA are going to be running enough courses for for the the, the hundreds and thousands of people that want to go and do uh, that particular course. So you're not in control of that. So you you can approach it in one of two ways. You you can you can um, you can sort of uh, soul can be bitter about that and and sort of bemoan your your, your bad luck, or you can accept that that's something you can't control and carry on uh, working hard and coaching and, and doing the things I've just mentioned in terms of evaluating your practice and seeking feedback and, and, and picking up the phone and speaking to other people and, and asking yeah. people to, to maybe come and watch. And, and the more hours you build up, the more, the more experience you can bank, you know, that, that's going to stand you in, in really, really good stead when eventually that opportunity does arise and, and you go on to that course because, um, you know, you, you you will have experienced a lot more than than what you might have done had you been accepted a year before, or two years before, or three years before. Definitely. Just just a couple of things on there. You know, you, you talked a bit there about 
uh, younger coaches, and you know, I, I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you know, I often find that a lot of younger coaches um, maybe throw themselves into coaching full on from an early age. What would you say in terms of those younger coaches, and maybe whether the fact they should still be playing some sort of football regularly, I guess, to keep themselves familiarised to an extent with, with with what the game is actually actually feels like, like you know, because there's a lot of coaches who maybe stop playing at a very early age and throw themselves into coaching fully, like I said. Yeah. Well, that's actually... What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's actually a very interesting, a very interesting uh, question because, I mean, just to give you a little bit more context around my own journey. So, as I explained earlier, I was, I was obviously fortunate enough to be in the academy at Stoke. Mm. I actually tore uh, my ACL, so a ligament in my knee when I was, when I was at the end of under-14s. So, I didn't actually play for two seasons uh, because at the time the injury was quite, it wasn't as common as what it is now. Uh, everyone seems to, to, to have an ACL or do an ACL now. But back then it wasn't as, uh, as common. And, and actually, I was very, um, very young to have that injury and, and, and surgeons didn't really want to touch me. So what ended up happening was obviously I left Stoke at 16 and I carried on playing. And, and, uh, and funnily enough, when I was 18, I was actually, I was actually doing my level two coaching assessment. I was taking, I'd already done my session, fortunately. I was taking part in somebody else's session and I, and, and I, oh, I tore my, my other ACL. <laughs> uh, wow. So, so, by the, so by the age of 18, I've done two ACLs and, and I was still playing. I played for, uh, for Nantwich Town, who were uh, you know, my, local, my local club, um, who, who, uh, who were sort of uh, step uh, three of non-league. And I was, I was playing in their youth team at the time and we had a good youth team. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, was, I then missed another chunk of time um and uh, yeah so kind of i got to the age of 20 and i'd had a couple of other injuries as well and um i, I decided i wasn't really enjoying my football too much and and um but what i did was i went and played i went and played uh, senior football at like just in in the mm. cheshire league and um so in terms of the i mean the standard was actually okay but in terms of um uh, from a, an egotistical point of view it wasn't something you'd particularly uh advertising and playing in, in the in, in uh, that level it was that low but but actually what happened was I, I, I can remember something specifically because I, I was a winger and I, I actually um, I moved to fullback uh, you know as I, as I got uh, a little bit older and I was playing fullback uh, a lot in that in that um, in that in that team and I started learning things that I hadn't learned before about that that particular position. And I was yeah. I was fine because again the, the level wasn't great. I was finding myself making making runs from deep and like getting in behind a back four from from fullback and thinking this this is transferable. This I can take this into mm. into my coaching. Yeah. And um, so so yeah, I, I think actually it's it's really important. So long as you're enjoying it, because that's first and foremost. There's no point in playing football if you're not enjoying it. But whilst um, Whilst you know you're still gaining that that enjoyment, I don't think it really matters what level you play at. I still think there's a lot of learning that can happen from from being in in you know on the pitch and experiencing things 100%. as a player. Totally agree with it. I think just on that as well. I think I'm not sure if it was the case for you, but certainly for me it was. I mean, at 16, I mean, I never really played at a high level, um, just recreational, really, and just local groceries. But at 16, I stopped playing, um, and then it was 18 when I actually went and did my level one. So two years, I didn't play for any football at all. But I actually found that when I did my level one, I started coaching again. I, despite not playing for two years, and I, you know, thankfully I did both <laughs> my ACLs. Um, just, just decided not to not to play for whatever reason. But 
coming back in to play in recreationally again about 18, 19, I felt like I was a much better player having not played two years but now started coaching. Did you find something similar? Did you start to put, uh, I guess, formalise and clarify some of the things that you maybe you've done as a player prior and maybe actually now looking at it from a coach's perspective? See the bigger maybe, picture. Um, I guess embed, yeah, see the bigger picture and maybe embed that knowledge deeper into what you understood. Um. I suppose it's not really something I've I've given too much thought to. I mean, uh, perhaps. I mean, the only thing I would say is, you know, I was playing I was playing in the Dog and Duck League, so maybe that maybe that could have been the reason that I felt like I was a much better player than what I was, and maybe that yeah. I was getting in behind back fours from fullback potentially. But um, but no, I'm I'm not really sure. It's not something I've ever given a great deal of thought to. I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't rule that out. I, um, but but at the same time, I, I probably wouldn't say it made me a better player. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's often something I've thought about now. I think you, you you often do. Again, the more experience you gain, and you think, actually, now that I know what I know, I wonder if if I had the body to cope with playing at at some level, whether or not I'd actually be be better than I was. But but maybe that's uh, maybe that's just wishful thinking. I think um, I think maybe sometimes we we underappreciate the the quality of. Of, uh, of of what we're watching, I mean, certainly, certainly uh, in, in, at Stoke now. I mean, some of the, um, the the players I'm working with at 15, 16s, and their their quality. I think it's only when you 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 really get up and close and and um, are on the are, are, are in a, within a coaching session, or maybe you get in in the middle. You're coaching from a, a different position. You're going, wow, this is this is fast, like you know. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 not sure whether I'd. Uh, whether I'd say it made me better or not, to be honest. Fair enough. And we'll bring it back to the initial com- the initial question. Do you feel it is important for coaches, especially young coaches, to still be playing yeah. in some, uh, some capacity? Yeah. So so long so long as they're they're enjoying playing football, I don't think it should ever be a yeah. burden. I don't think people should play just because there might be some potential benefit. I think they've got to play because they they love the game, mm. like we'd say to any player. Um, mm. But yeah, if you still enjoy playing the game at whatever level, I'd I'd, I'd certainly I'm I'm a massive advocate of. Of, of doing that, to, um, you know, to sort of uh, work alongside and supplement your, your coaching for sure. Definitely. Just uh, one other thing then on that, you know, we've looked back at the course, we talked, you know, touched on briefly how the courses have changed uh, a lot over recent years in particular. Um, I, think, I think you'd be in agreement in that they were much more heavily focused around a technical corner and I guess when maybe yourself and I, myself, when we started our coaching journeys, yeah, um, over the last four or five maybe six years have kind of started to shift away from that a little bit, maybe focus a bit more on the psych, social and the physical corners a bit more. Yes. What would you say to coaches who are maybe eager to get on these qualifications um, in the hope that they're going to gain this technical technical detail and technical knowledge yeah. as potentially months may would have been the case? Yeah. Um, how would you, what would your advice be to coaches who maybe who are hopeful yeah, I've, I've certainly spoken to coaches. You know, on the side, I actually deliver level ones and twos at it, um, myself, yeah. and get a lot of level three uh, level, level people going to do the level three and saying you know they want to get more technical information. But it's almost like we've the course has been restructured in a way where the tutor's almost taking a bit more of a step back and allowing a bit more opportunity for the learner to kind of take charge. What yeah. would your advice be to those coaches who are maybe looking to gauge and develop their understanding of the technical side of the game, but maybe not being able to extract that through the courses anymore? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think for sure it's really important that coaches going into these courses um, because I've made the same mistakes. You know, I'm, I'm going onto these courses. You get your shiny new folder. You sit down for the first 
for the first session and you're going, wow, I'm, this is going to absolutely reinvent me. I'm going to come out of here and I'm going to, I'm going to, my knowledge of the game is going to be incredible. But I, I, I kind of build on the point I made earlier on. I think that you, you develop your, your own sort of uh, philosophy in terms of the way you work, but also your, your playing philosophy in terms of what you believe in the style that you, you know, you probably want to, that you believe in the most, that you're most passionate about delivering. I think that that happens through, through working. I don't think that that necessarily comes through the courses. And I think that, um, I think that again, you've got to be authentic. You've mm. got to have your own beliefs around how things should be done. And then, and then you use the courses to, to build on that through, through, through obviously seeking, uh, experiences from the tutors, from, from equally your peers, you know, other, other people on the course and, and, and learning as much as you can. I don't think that you're going to go into a course and, and all of a sudden be, be, um, uh, be taking down loads and loads of technical points that you've never heard of before. And I think that's, that's really key as well when you're watching people. And, and again, something I was definitely guilty of when I was younger, I'd be watching coaches deliver sessions. I'd be scribbling down where the cones were. I'd be, I'd be taking down every note around the actual practice mm. design. But I actually think it's more important that you're, when you're observing coaches and looking to learn off of the coaches, that you're 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 working. Yeah, you're, the looking at you're looking at, yeah, you're looking at the coach. What what? Where is the coach? What's the coach doing? What's the coach? Where are the coach's eyes? What are the coach is saying? Why why are they saying that? Um, how much information are they giving? You know, I, I think it's really important that you, you know, people don't get caught up so much on on the the sort of. Um, the, the practice design and, and the and the, the sort of technical points that are going to be that are going to be um, going into the session, but more around how the coach uh, is and 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 creates an environment where whereby the players can ultimately a get opportunities to play and develop um, and, and b um, have uh, uh, you know uh, sort of have that ability to or have that opportunity to experiment and. And, and try things and, and are encouraged mm. to, to do that, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think that it's, I think I've certainly been at that point where I've gone into courses and come out, of, even come out of courses and gone, oh, I was maybe a little bit disappointed that I didn't get clarity on, on, on point or on, you know, a particular point or, or uh, on, on this particular area of the game, you know, I really wanted to learn about um, how you build up from the back or how you um, switch play through midfield, for example, and, and I never really necessarily got that, mm. that information so that I can go away and, and coach that. But I think that, you know, I think that, um, you know, a, coach, a coach's job is to, to, to ultimately do a lot, to do that themselves through, through extensive research and watching games and, and speaking with other people and, and then just using the, the, the courses to, to supplement that knowledge that they've hopefully developed and, and, and either build on or, or, or um, you know, to either sort of um, validate the, 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 what, they, what they believed or potentially... Maybe maybe chuck something away, you know, something they believed in that actually they they now think I, I'm I'm not sure about that, you know, based on based on what I've uh, what I've mm. learned through. Yeah, through I totally course. agree. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and just on that, you know, you you speak about the technical stuff. It's it's so much more. It's so much more than that, you know, as as well. You know, as you mentioned, you know, before, you know, being able to to develop players holistically and and, and using the four corner uh, approach mm. is, is is absolutely key for sure. You know, it's. Uh, I think we're learning that more and more now. Um, uh, you know that uh, it, it's not just necessarily oh, as important as technique is. By the way, it's it's not just it's not just the these courses aren't just about mm. technique. It's like yeah, we're living in a very um, information heavy world now in this 
in this coaching dynamic that we live in now, and it, it can be a blessing and a curse where there's so much there's so much information open to people that they forget that they kind of have to go on the pitch and deliver it to to players, and if you don't translate that information properly, is 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 nothing. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think I think uh, I mean uh, something that really really. Uh, rings true with me, and, and it was something a colleague, a former colleague, uh, now has said to me uh, when I, when I actually met him five years ago, and he said to me about you know players players really don't care about how much you know, you know they 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 they, they ultimately uh, need to mm. know how much you care. That that's the most important thing, and you know you can be a coach who's got all this incredible knowledge, but if you can't if you can't translate that. To, to players if you can't communicate that effectively and that's what I mean when I'm talking about watching coaches and observing other people how do they communicate their messages not necessarily what they're saying and the technical detail again but how are they getting that across and, and is that having an, an impact on the players is that in helping a player to understand something that's that's absolutely mm. key um, and, and as I said earlier on you know having come out of my level two uh, when I was very textbook and I believed that I had to do a stop stand still and I had to give this point before I could give the next point and 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 I look back now, and I'd probably cringe if I watch. We all coaching. we all do. We all do. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Just wanted to harken back uh, to your to your timeline. So, how did you uh, end up in your current role? Yeah. Um, so. So, what in terms of yeah, right from from, or, from or when, when you I, started when at Stoke to, to now? Yes. Yeah, so when I started at Stoke, so obviously I'll give you that point to. To, to uh, when I became full time at Stoke as an under 11s mm. coach, and uh, I did a season. I did a season working with um, with with that group of players. Who, who, funnily enough, I've spent a lot of time working with as they've uh, worked through the age groups. I've kind of moved along with them and spent spent a lot of time with um, with with a lot of these players. So, so yeah, after my first season as an under 11s coach, I, uh, an opportunity arose, and again, you know. Uh, things you know like I think people have to be patient and I've been very very lucky you know in that five years I've been able to go from being an under 11s coach to to being where I am now as a as an under 16s coach and obviously managing a, a sort of yeah just phase. so just in regards um, to the full-time under 11s coach now there's probably going to be some under 11 uh coaches in cat two or cat three who are a bit were a bit jealous of you, <laughs> are scratching their head like, what does that look like yeah. in the day to day, being full time at that age? Um, I think I think I mean in terms of in terms of being being a young coach in that environment and how that may the the, the sort of potential um, mm. challenges that that poses. Yeah, I think I think naturally it's finding finding the balance because you know. I think you have to, um, as I've said a couple of times, you have to be authentic. You've got to be, uh, you have to have an opinion and, and, and um, be able to articulate yourself. But as a young coach, it's important that you don't come across as someone who, who may potentially be arrogant and thinks that they know it all. And, you, you know, you have to be humble and, and, and understand that people have a lot more experience and, and, that, uh, uh, and, and that there's, you know, there are people in the game who, who um, you know, maybe, maybe, um, sort of believe that young coaches, you know, all you know, will maybe tie young coaches with the same brush. In that, um, you know, particularly if you've not played, you you, you know it all, and, and and you've not achieved anything yet. And you've got to mm. earn your stripes. Now, I think I think that I think that as as the 
time's gone on and I think where we where where I'm at now and I look now I, I don't think that that's uh, certainly not a problem at our football club and I think that that's something that um, as a as a football community we're we're getting better and understanding that you know you you can be a top you can be a top coach without necessarily having to have had a, a top playing career um, but I do think that that was certainly something when I when I first started I look back and go yeah it was it was hard to find that balance between um, having my opinion sharing my opinion and being passionate um, and being authentic whilst whilst not coming across as as being someone who uh, mm. who thinks that they know it all, uh, um, yeah, and that would probably be the in biggest, this time. You've obviously thing. you said it already. You've been moving up, well, like kind of simultaneously moving up with the group that you initially started with. Um, what do you think mm. has led to your progression uh, within Stoke? Just for like coaches that that want to aspire to go in that sort of um, uh, path as well, that they they you know they hope to start in the younger age groups of the academy and then, you know, gradually move themselves up. Yeah, I think, uh, again, you know, I mentioned before about building trust, you know, ultimately the people, the people, uh, the staff in the football club um, and, and your, your managers have to, mm. have to trust you, um, you know, to, 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 to believe that you've got the skill set to, um, you know, to, 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 to work with older age players. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, you know, you, you ultimately that that's the the that you, you prove that on the on the on, on the pitch, don't you? You prove that with the way that the player the development that the players are making, and um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm I feel very fortunate to have uh, sort of inherited a group uh, at a time that I did when I started at Stoke, that of which we've still got a, a, a real core group of players that were there at that age, um, still in the academy now, and. And now more than ever, the, the club's, uh, you know, receiving a lot more national recognition. You know, we've got in, within, within that, that age group alone, we've got six players who within the last sort of 12 to 18 months have, have received um, national recognition. And whether that be going and attending training camps or whether mm. that being selected for squads uh, with, with England um, and, and one with Wales. So, you know, I, I think that um, I think that that's, you know that's something I feel very fortunate to have, have um, you know, inherited a group of players that have that, that uh, they've got natural natural ability. But uh, yeah, you know, I think you earn the trust. To answer your question, you, you earn the trust through mm. the work that you do with the players. Um, and again, I come back to to the actual coaching, which is which is the the, the number one most important uh, the most important thing. You know, and and you've got to have an understanding of where what you are as a coach. Um, you know, being being yourself, but but equally recognizing what your weaknesses are as well, um, and and really working hard to try and yeah. Try and just in regards work. to your your current role now, um, can you just give us a bit of detail of what your role entails? Uh, being a lead, uh... save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Of the fifteen and sixteens, like uh, what does it entail in terms of um, player development and uh, coach development? Yeah, so uh, essentially, uh, my, my job is to manage the programs 
of uh, of the under fifteen and sixteen players, and that's both individually and collectively. You know, so in terms of managing the the, the games program to 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 ensure that um, you know the the players get a, 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 a sort of variety of of games within their diet, and um, you know that they they get different experiences. Um, you know, along the along the along the journey, playing against different uh, different different types of player, different opposition, mm. different styles, etc., and and managing um, the the sort of individual player development plans that, that uh, each academy player has. So um, you know, obviously, we are in an environment where we're trying to develop individuals, and uh, and every player will have. Uh, a learning plan, and and this is this is something you know when I when I spoke earlier on about transferable things from from uh, from academy football, whether it be with a foundation based player to to a senior a senior player. I'm I'm hearing more and more now examples of of senior players even even at the top level who who have sort of individual individual mm. plans, uh, you know, player development plans. So um, yeah, you know that that's um, I'm responsible for ensuring that the the the, the plans are appropriate appropriately challenging. Um, for each player, and that they're obviously individual to to their needs, and focus uh, on on first and foremost their their major strengths. Because every player that's that's in our system is is there because they've got something that they're they're, they're outstanding at, and then obviously equally recognising areas that they've got to develop, um, so that they can you know that so that they can try and um, you know Im- improve the the the, the things the, the 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 sort of um, sort of smaller things that might that might um, you know might help them make that. That jump um, beyond our phase into the professional development phase as a as a scholar, and then equally as well with it, within um, the players I'm working with, we we look at maybe position specific attributes a little bit as well because they're getting to a, an age whereby at 15 you you certainly uh, have a clearer idea of what a player's primary position mm. is. So um, that's kind of what would go into a uh, sort of player development plan. I mean, I, I predominantly coach the under 16s, but I still. I still spend a lot of time working with the, the under fifteens, uh, under fifteens as well, and we um, uh, just to give you a little bit of insight around our, our coaching program, we 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 have the players for two evenings in a week, and then we also have um, a, a day release program. So um, we're fortunate that the players, the majority of players, are, are able to mm. come out of school uh, once a week, um, whereby they they get another two training sessions um, across the course of the day, amongst other amongst other. Um, Sessions as well, including including gym based gym based work, analysis based work, um, psychology uh, based work, and obviously there's education uh, education provision in there as well. Um, so so we're very fortunate that we get we get that much access to the players, and then our games for the under 16s are on Saturdays. The 15s are a little bit more varied in that their their programs uh, uh, can, the game the games can fall uh, pretty much any point across the week really. So we have to again that takes a lot of planning to make sure that we. We um, are able to deliver our training, our training philosophy, um, you know, uh, with that particular group because naturally it doesn't. It's not a set sort of Saturday to Saturday uh, working week. Brilliant. Just just on that, I just want to take you back about um, something you mentioned earlier in terms of the skill set required to maybe work with those older players. I wanted to maybe get your insights around what you consider those uh, key ingredients as part of that skill set. To work with older players, as in senior players, or yeah. in youth uh, development. The way they, yeah, yeah. So to work to work with, um, I, I, I mean, I don't think that uh, I don't think that that there's sort of specific skills that are are 
only relevant to for working with sort of players at at the top or at the, you know the, the upper end of that YDP and beyond. I think that I think that um, you know again it's it's important that people understand there are transferable there are transferable skills you know from from foundation sure. right the way through. So um, you know I think that if I was to if I was to try and highlight the most important areas. Um, of, of sort of 15s and 16s I'd say that that ability to to have relationship a relationship with the player or players whereby they 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 trust you is is so fundamentally important because of the the natural uh, development that um, that's going on with a a, a a normal sort of 15 and 16 year old player you know both physically and and also mentally, you know, mm. their, their brain development, cognitively, uh, those uh, during the, this phase is is um, is uh, you know um, is huge. And I think that having that ability to understand that maybe helps you to realise some of the uh, some of the strange decisions that that players will will make sometimes. And I'm not just talking about uh, necessarily on the pitch. I'm talking about you know their, their reactions to things or or um, you know things going on away from the club, uh, or their, their lack of communication, or, or and, and and some of the real simple things that as a as an adult you're going how, how what's gone through their mind to for them to to to, to make that decision and and they, and they can't rationalise hmm. it but, but understanding that that's normal is for a fifteen and sixteen year old because of the stage they're at is um, is really important so so yeah and and again being able to to have a, that relationship whereby your uh, whereby players will trust you and players will um, be open with you is is absolutely fundamental to you know maximizing uh, maximizing um, you know getting the best out of out of a player um, at that age for sure and I think I think that goes for any age but I really think that that intensifies at at, the, at 15 16 for the reasons I've just stated. Mm. And just on just on that, then you know you said you talked about a lot of your role as well in terms of it, in leading that program for fifteen to sixteen. There's something you touched on earlier about grabbing that potential. How did you know what what do you look for in a player that you, I guess identify them as someone who's actually gonna take that next step and who's gonna who's gonna have an opportunity to break into the professional game? Because you know you've got. Um, you know, when you're working in the, in, the, in the academies now, especially when you're working at Cat One, you know, we've got some, with some coaches refer to as maybe cream of the crop or your Ferrari players. Mm. Yeah. How, how, how do you decide on which one of those are actually going to go on and, I guess, be those Ferrari players and given that opportunity? And then what are the key differences that you've identified in your time? And maybe even not just as a coach, but as a player going through that system, obviously outside of the two ACL injuries what was mm. the differences that maybe set those people apart mm, yeah I mean that's I mean I can I can relate to that as well when I think back to my playing days and a player that I played with uh, who, who's gone on to, to, to have a professional career and I, and I can remember my first training session and um, and, and the way that, that he was with me and the ruth the, the ruthless nature you know I was a, a kid coming into an environment I'd never been in before and it was uh, you know I, I, I came from a uh, you know, from a background that um, you know I was respectful and polite, and 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 this kid, you know, this particular player was just absolutely ragdolling me, and I think he ripped my bib off my oh. off off my uh, you know off my torso, you know, and it was and it was like wow, it was a baptism baptism as a fire. But I think that as a as a coach, I think that um, you know for me players have got to have 
uh, first and foremost, that mentality, uh, that, that elite mentality, which, which I would quantify uh, as, as simple as possible by, by uh, through sort of talking about desire and hunger. You know, it's, it's absolutely fundamental that players, that you understand which players are, are not only, certainly when you get to 15s and 16s, you know, that's the stage, I think, whereby, you know, if, you, if you're in an academy programme at that time, you've, you've got to be all in in the sense that you, you're there because you want to become a footballer and, and you've got to, you've got to um, be prepared now to make some serious sacrifices. You know, you're not going to be able to necessarily do the same things that, that every 15 and, or the normal 15 and 16-year-old is going to be able to do because naturally the demands of the programme are what they are. And to, to, we, we all know that there's so many players uh, who you know, are in the system and, and such a small number sort of filter through into the, into the professional game. So, you know, you've got to have that, that hunger and desire to want to be a player for sure. And then I think as a coach, other things to really look out for um, are, are around intention. And looking at players' intentions over necessarily their execution. So I'm, I'm talking, you know, technically now in terms of uh, in terms of um, uh, in terms of on the pitch and their uh, and their sort of their thought process. I mean, it's not it's not an easy thing to, to to do, and it's certainly not something I've mastered by any stretch of imagination. But look, trying to read hmm. what players are trying to do and understanding what what is going through a player's mind in terms of their their decision making. Is an is absolutely key. You know, I, I say a lot to our players that the, the top players, the best players, make the best decisions. You know, there's so many players with elite yeah. technique. There's so many players who who can handle the ball, who can who can uh, cover you know ground intent you know at the intensity required to, to to potentially get to the top level. But without without that ability to use your brain and make good decisions, um, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna get to that top level, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think that that's 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 really important as well. Looking for for, for players' intention rather than necessarily whether or not it was executed perfectly. Definitely, and I think just another thing, you know, there's a lot of great stuff coming out, and it's giving me loads of things to kind of pick at. That decision making. What would you say to coaches who are maybe uh, not too familiar, or maybe struggling at times to maybe support players in developing that aspect of decision making? Because I think one of the biggest challenges obviously within that sometimes is just letting the players have a go. Mm. Um, what would you say? Oh, oh yeah, 100%. Is, yeah, you, you've got to, I mean, to obviously, yeah. go on, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, what do you think is key to obviously allowing that and you know holding back sometimes, allowing those players to have a go? Because I think a lot, of, a lot of coaches, I think, struggle with the idea of looking at the player, maybe looking at what's happening, maybe identifying this isn't quite going to work mm. out, but and then wanting to step in and, you know, as you, as you kind of said it earlier, you touched mm-hmm. on, if we look right back at the start of your journey, being that almost like in that command style mode where you kind of just want to step in on every single moment. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's it. That's I think it. in reality, you need, to, you need to allow people to actually express themselves and understand, right, there's a mistake here and we need to allow them to go through it sometimes. Yeah, um, for, for sure. I mean, you've just made a great... Because everyone does look differently. A great example there around and, and something we talk about at the academy a lot and... Um, sometimes you, you, the players will come up with an idea. So, so ultimately, for, to develop decisions, you, you do, players that are uh, independent decision makers, you've got to create the environment first of all, and you've got to, which you've alluded to already. You, you, you're giving them that opportunity to uh, experiment, uh, to, to have a go. Um, and I think that um, what's what's really important is that sometimes 
you you may uh, seek the the opinion of players. You may ask them. You may give them that little bit of ownership mm. to go right. Well, what do you think? What what's what might be a good what might be a good idea here? And you might they might give you something and you go wow that's this is not going to work. <laughs> it's not right. You know that is not what I was thinking. I'm the I'm the experienced coach here. I'm the I'm the expert. Um, that's not going to work. But 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 actually. Um, you sometimes, I mean, one of two things can happen. Either A, you get absolutely unbelievably surprised when actually the player's solution is better than your own, which has happened before in my in my time. And players have, have got to the, the, the same outcome in a, in, a, in a way that I hadn't thought of. Um, and that's unbelievably empowering, I think, if you can get to a point where players are able to create solutions that are better than what, you've, what you thought yourself. And, and, uh, and, you know, that's something we have to be wary of. We can potentially stifle at times because we think we know best. But also as well, there is nothing wrong with players having a go, you thinking it's going to go wrong, and sure enough, it does go wrong. Because actually, that's a fantastic learning opportunity for a player. As long as you can review that process with them and try and get them to then understand, well, why why did that go wrong? Then what a power, that's an unbelievably powerful uh, way of, of, um, of, 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 you know, teaching a player or, or giving a player an opportunity to learn. Uh, from something so yeah I mean I, I absolutely uh, absolutely very very passionate about about um, about decision making and, and how we and how we try and develop that um, so yeah it's, uh, it's it's a great question brilliant just so what, just one last thing about your role and your, your experiences and I'm sure there's going to be many coaches who have listened who are going to be listening to this and have gone through similar experiences and facing similar challenges probably more so in the grassroots community than I guess uh, in the academies and whatnot you mentioned there about the idea of working through the ages with a particular group. Yeah. You know, I'd love to get your insights and thoughts on some of the pros and cons of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's happened not through design necessarily, you know, you know, naturally I've been fortunate that I've, I've been given opportunities to progress. So um, I think, uh, I think Ben asked the the question earlier on, um, about about my, my journey, I'm not I'd probably not quite answered it. Sorry, we've gone yeah, off so tangent a lot. Elevens, <laughs> I then got an opportunity. Yeah, I've got an opportunity though to work with the under 13s, and again, you know, opportunities in terms of how that came about. Somebody somebody left, and um, and I and I actually initially just put myself forward and said, you know, I, I'm I'm more than happy to help out. I'm more than happy to 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 assist wherever wherever required in this moment. Whilst we you know whilst we haven't got someone leading that group, so. Uh, I think it, you know that that planted a, a seed in 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 the relevant people's minds, and and I, eventually I was given that opportunity. I did it sort of uh, yeah, for on a short term basis initially, and then and then um, you know the the, the role was advertised, and, and I ended up getting that role. So then I was working with under 13s, and I stayed in with uh, with that particular. I stayed as an under 13s coach for two seasons. So the second year that I had um, the under 13s, I, I inherited the group that I'd had at under 11s. Mm. So obviously I had them then for the second time in three seasons. I actually stayed with them as an under 14s uh, with the under four, you know, as an under 14s coach, which um, which was sort of through choice really, and, and something I was I was asked about and said I'd like to do that. And and I think that one of the biggest, you know, and again, I'm going to actually have them again as under 16s this time round, and obviously spent a lot of time with them as under 15s naturally with the role that I've been doing. So, uh, so yeah, I have spent a lot of time with, with a lot of these players. Uh, naturally, players come and go and, and the, the, the groups will change. Um, but, um, but, yeah, the, the pros and cons, I mean, so, so I think the, the biggest 
the biggest thing I would say is when I was the reason I chose or asked to stay with that particular group when they were going into the age the under fourteen age group, which um, which meant I would have had them for the third time in four years. There were still things that I was learning about the players um, in that yeah. second season, which I, you know late on in that second season, as uh, when they were under thirteens, that I went wow if I'd if I'd had this knowledge before, this is really important knowledge, you know, in, in terms of their, their family makeup, their mm. understanding things going on away from football, you know, really, maybe really just developing a, a, a real clearer picture around how they, their preferred learning style. These things don't, don't happen overnight. And, and, you know, we all, we would all in a utopia world want to have this information straight away. And people might be listening to this thinking, well, why well, did he not think that that was important? Why didn't you get that information straight away? But, you know, in the environment, although we get uh, a lot of time with the players, you know, more so than what grassroots coaches might ordinarily get, you know, pe- kids are coming out from, from school. They arrive at training five minutes before the session starts. They, they go into the session. The session finishes at half past seven or eight o'clock at night. They have to get back in their car and go home. You know, they, they've got school the next morning. So, so the actual amount of time that we spend with the players to, 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 to learn about them uh, as players or as people rather than, than necessarily just football players is, is not actually that great. So, you know, by the time I'd spent as much time as I had with the players, I was starting to learn things that really then helped to, to uh, help me when I was coaching to, in terms of my planning and, and, and obviously delivery to, to, to maybe understand why certain things or how I could work in, in a certain way, but equally uh, to develop an individual, but equally how wide certain things may, may end up happening um, because I had a really a sort of uh, holistic view of, of, of mm. a player's of, of what was going on in a player's life, so you know that was definitely one of the main the main um, the main benefits. But equally, you know there are there are uh, benefits to to having experiences with with multiple coaches because you know naturally people have, as I've said, preferred ways of working, and and ultimately if you're going to go and work if you're going to become a prefer, uh, a first team player. Um, You've got to be probably, or you do have to experience, mm. I suppose, different styles because you don't know what the first team manager is going to demand or what what the the sort of uh, personality of a first team manager is is going to be when you get there. You know whether that's going to be someone um, who's uh, you know who's who's got a lot of experience, who's worked in the game for a long time, and and, and works in a certain way. Whether that be uh, you know somebody who's newer who's coming into into the game as a as a newer a newer coach and works in a different way um you know whereby they might have come through an academy program um and and have diff- has a different skill set potentially to a coach that was that 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 turned mm. into a manager 25 years ago for example so you know i think that i think that you know if you're only if you're a player that's only experienced one 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 coach then that that's that's something you know that that people have to be aware of, and try and work in, in with it while still being authentic. Try and work in different challenges in, in ways that give players, um, mm. you know, different yeah, just uh, you've already started touching sure. it there. Um, you've obviously got a lot of learning for uh, through your experiences and uh, reflecting, and you already said you started to say that um, you know working with different coaches as well. So like. Uh, what has been like a major influence in your development, uh, possibly in the form of a mentor? And like, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from them? Um, well, I mean, what I would say is I'm very fortunate that uh, we mm. have a very, uh, I feel we have a very strong coaching department um, at the club and, and the, the progression the club's made over 
over the last, uh, or certainly, you know, whilst I've been at the club, and, and I think, you know, our, our players are, uh, mm. are, 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 you know, very, very strong. Um, when when I look across sort of the Cat One, the Cat One program, and 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 the recognition our players are getting, and and also as well, I look at the sort of the under eight teams who've who've done incredible things. Uh, most recently, um, you know, getting to the final, the Premier League Cup this season, and and uh, and finishing uh, all over, obviously with the season being curtailed, mm. finishing. In the top four of the, the league, so um, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate that I've been able to tap into experiences of coaches who've had playing careers, who've uh, who've worked under you know highly highly successful football people uh, along their journeys, and and um, yeah, very very fortunate in that sense. Now, in terms of um, in terms of specific mentors, I, I have also. Been fortunate enough during my time in the academy football to, to go on on a course uh, that's um, you know, obviously we spoke about the courses mm. that the FA deliver, but I've also been on the course that the Premier League deliver, um, which is is an elite elite uh, apprenticeship coaching scheme, so ECAS. Yeah, yeah. So um, slightly slightly different in that the 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 idea around that course is is more around developing the the, the person more so than developing your coaching ability. So they know that you're not going to learn any technical content but going on to this course, but you are going to learn things about yourself and and you're going to be able to develop yourself as a person to ultimately become a a better person and a more more effective coach. Um, And I was, you know, part of that program. I was, I was uh, given two mentors. Um, One was, was somebody who, uh, who worked for British cycling, who, uh, who, who actually went and went to to work for the uh, the Australian uh, Institute um, Cycling Institute? So um, I was very fortunate to, to to sort of be given him. He was great, and, and I was uh, I worked with a professional skills mentor, as a lady who was a top uh, a top business psychologist. So they were fantastic. They supported me. They came into the club, uh, you know, at least every six weeks, and we we sat and we chatted, and it was really good to actually speak with people. Mm who weren't associated with the football club as well. Um, because again, that gave you a different perspective. So, you know, those, those two people were, were sort of very, um, were very sort of big influences on me, really helped me to, really helped me to, um, okay. and like, to, to develop. Obviously, these yeah, are all sure. very valuable experiences and there's, it's helped uh, not only to build you as a coach, but obviously as a person, because like, like that, that sounds like life experiences. I, I've heard of some of the things that people had to do in their ECAS <laughs> and life threatening stuff and whatnot. So like, I can imagine that it was all, um, you know, very influential in building the person that you are today. Uh, so in regards to um, like your coaching philosophy, mm. what would you say are like some of the fundamentals of it uh, that you think that even if you weren't at Stoke, you is something that you will always expect from whatever environment that you're coaching in? Yeah, yeah um, I think I've, I, mean, I think I've touched on I think I've touched on on some of the things. So I think first and foremost, I've I've got a, a huge belief that uh, you know it, it's our job as coaches to to uh, certainly the level I'm working at now um, to coach motivate players, and I, I work very hard to train. Uh, and I'm mean, very again very very fortunate. We we have an extremely extremely strong work ethic within our football club, uh, and and the players are. You know, completely buy into that, but I, I do believe you know that, that coaching motivated players is 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 my is, is very important as opposed to me needing to motivate players. You know, I don't believe that I'm a, I'm someone who should be 
uh, motivating uh, people to, to 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 run to um, you know to, um, to to be at places on time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but again, I think the decision making is a huge a huge area. You know, I believe passionately about developing independent decision makers um, and, and ultimately creating that environment where players have to think is is absolutely absolutely key. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a big, a big believer, and, and really uh, enjoy watching and, and learning from from coaches who and, and football teams that have a, a playing style mm. that allows them to control the game, both with and without the ball. And that's uh, that's certainly something that I'm, I'm very, very passionate about. It's something that I try to uh, try to instill, um, which which obviously every every uh, everybody wants to, to to try and do, of course. But yeah, I'm very uh, very passionate about how that looks, and I'm really keen to develop my understanding around that. Um, but I think that that can only come from people who are who are able to be independent, um, because you know, let's face it, if you're if you make it to the top level and you're playing uh, the Bet Three Six Five stadium in front of 30,000 Stoke fans then and I'm, and I'm stood on the sideline uh, I, mm. I can't influence the player who's over the opposite side of the pitch you know who's you know who, 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 never going to hear me so they've got to be they've got to be able to, to be independent if, if players are only ever used to having uh, working off instructions directly from coaches or, or working off feedback from coaches live feedback all the time then then I'm, I'm not sure that that's going to be going to be true to their to, to their sort of experience when they're when they're out there on the pitch cool. so you know that's that's fundamental for me just on that then um you know you talked about a bit about your journey you've, you know you've had some lot of setbacks and obviously overcome some adversity yourself you know with those two ACL injuries and you've also had a lot of fortune in your journey mm. I'm sure that plays a bit of part into this but you know what would you say that you do in particular that helps you keep yourself motivated and inspired to continue I guess developing and being your best and getting to that next stage of your I guess your your goal your next goal your next ambition so to speak yeah I mean uh, I think it's important that everybody has um, sort of has aspirations to 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 uh, achieve their dreams so you know I think that that's really important I, I'm, I'm someone that's very ambitious and, and as I said to you earlier on you know I, I knew at probably the age of 14 that I wanted to to work as a, as a, as a coach and, a, and a potentially a manager. And that was when I, when I thought about that at that age, that was at the top level. I wasn't thinking about that. I understood that there was a process, um, but it, it was, it's that, that sort of ultimate uh, goal, if you like, to get to that point where I'm, I'm able to, to, to be a manager in, in the professional game. So um, I think that, that that's something that, that certainly drives me because, you know, being someone who's, who's so uh, motivated to, to have a career in the game, um, you know, naturally, that that uh, that gives you that that sort of burning desire to, to to get up in the morning, to to go to work, to to work hard, and and try and ultimately do do your job to the absolute best of your ability. Now, now, equally, I'm absolutely um, you know fully committed to what I'm doing in, in working with with players uh, in the development phase, and I'm really really passionate. As I said earlier on, I think I think it's only once I got to working with that level, I started to really understand the um, the sort of uh, you know specific um, sort of areas that are really really um, important are in, in terms of youth development and, and certainly players between the age of thirteen and sixteen. What's required to to help players through that through that that period. So you know again because I'm I'm so passionate about that. I, uh, I, I never ever never do I wake up and go I've got to go to work. It doesn't feel like work. It's 
and I've, I have got an, a tremendous amount of gratitude um, for being in, in the position I am. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's it's not something that, uh, that that's that's really a problem for me. Motivation, but absolutely, I think having long term ambition is is still is still very important and, and absolutely fundamental. You know, I, I hope to to be able to work in the game for for the rest of my career, however long that may be. But you know, at the age of twenty eight, you know, if that's another forty years, then then that that just excites me incredibly to think that you know I could hopefully be working in the game for that length of time and the influence I might be able to have. Definitely, and just just on that, you know, I think you touched a bit about it. Really, you know, where you want to end up, and you know, I'm sure you will end up in a, you know, you're definitely on the right trajectory in terms of how your career has progressed so far. Um, might you know, who knows how long it's going to take, but <laughs> you know, the first thing is your injuries and put you in place for the better piece of trust. Um, you might, it might just happen, you know, anything can happen. But I think one key thing I think is definitely worth highlighting here, and I think it is that element of gratitude. And you know, I, I have to say, I'm I wouldn't be if I'm your position, very humble person. <laughs> um, definitely, no, I, I really, I, you know, I really. On, on a serious note, I do really appreciate that, and that's I'm, I'm glad that that um, you know that that that's the way that, you know, that I've come across because you know I think that that's that's absolutely fundamental. Listen, I, I've said I said earlier on about um, about uh, being patient. You know, I've made a lot of progress very quickly, and um, probably quicker than a lot of people would do. Now, I'm not I'm not for a minute suggesting or claiming that that's because I'm an I'm an incredible coach. Yeah, I've been I've been lucky along the way. And you know that I'm I'm 28 years old. I might I might not uh, I might not uh, you know make that same the amount of progress I've made in five years might not happen over the next five years. I, I, nobody knows. But I think that rem- remembering where you've come from and where I'm at currently, and again reading people who are posting things on social media about their frustrations and not being accepted onto the UEFA B, for example, for the umpteenth time, I, I really yeah. really empathise uh, with them. And, um, and and can't emphasize enough that you know if they're passionate enough they'll they'll keep going they'll continue to as I said earlier on you yeah. know, get out and work and and just just love what they do and and it will come eventually you know um, but Definitely. yeah I think you know I'm, I, I've got to I appreciate and understand that being patient is absolutely is absolutely key to towards the long term ambition I do ultimately have yeah I, th- I think there's, I think there's a couple of key things that you've touched on there Josh and I think. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure about this whole luck thing, if I'm honest with you. I don't know. I think you've clearly created opportunities for yourself by being in the right place at the right time. And I don't think that's all down to luck. I think you, I think it's it's putting yourself around the right environments. You know, and we talk all the time about, you know, your reflection of the people you surround yourself with. And I think for any coach looking to maybe make that step in whatever direction it is they want to step in, you know, they need to go and aspire to be around and be in the environments around these sorts of people. Um, so I think that is for me, one of the key things to kind of really touch on and you've clearly, you know, people can argue that it's happened quicker than you might have expected it to happen. But at the end of the day, everyone's journey is different and that, that's, there's nothing wrong with that either. And I think one thing to, you know, further highlight, we, for all we know, you might be in for the next six, seven years and it might have slowed down in terms of trajectory in terms of moving from role to role, but your development ultimately will still continue as long as, you're looking at ways to develop. Mm. So, you know, any coaches that are listening to this and are thinking, okay, well, I haven't quite got the role I'm looking for, but I want to develop, I want to get to the next stage of my journey. I think it's now constantly in that, that taking that step of self-reflecting, becoming more aware of where you're at and what you're maybe you're, you're doing well within your current state of um, practice 
and maybe further highlighting those areas that you do need to develop on something that keeps your self reflection constantly key and mm. surrounding yourself with will also support that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. I mean, I think um, I think that also what's important to note is that my, my, my long term ambition, my, my, my sort of end goal could change. You know, in, in five yeah. years' time, my end goal might not be what my current end goal is. It might be that I've, I've yeah, developed yeah. enough knowledge in an area where I go, right, I really want to be a, the, the, the mm. absolute best I can possibly be at this particular role, whatever that may be. Uh, and that's Definitely. important to know as well. And I think, you know, just, just on that, I think it's safe to say <laughs> then that we won't be seeing you on the sidelines slide tackling Michael O'Neill anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't, I don't think my knees would allow me to do that, to be honest. Oh, okay, which is a rugby tackle will be good enough then. Um, but, you know, just one, one other thing I would be interested in. So, you know, having that journey, you've, you know, been, you've had, you know, some ups and downs, you know, on the surface of things. I'm sure there's, there's stuff below the surface that, you know, you probably you probably dealt with that you haven't really gone into. But what would you say is one of your biggest bugbears when it comes to coaching and, I guess, coaches within the coaching community generally? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, link, it actually links to, to probably what we just spoke about. So, um, I think. That... Oh, you so you don't want to want to be able to slide tackle the manager, do you? <laughs> no, I think that um, I think that there's a still a major problem that we have mm. within the 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 footballing world. I'm talking professionally now mm. um, yeah. ar- around lack of pay parity. So you know, coaches, lots of coaches um, who who are incredible foundation phase coaches, who uh, you know are, are really really. Uh, doing some fantastic work, working in, with players of the, the you know of those ages, um, are, are not rewarded the same as what somebody who works in uh, is a, an under 18s coach would uh, is. Um, now, if yeah. we're talking about if we're talking about the foundations being absolutely crucial to 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 anything, then then they you know if they're that important, then they should be. They should be rewarded for that. So, rewarded so naturally, so naturally, that creates a huge problem. Whereby, and I don't want to sound like this. This, this isn't the reason because I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not motivated, um, you know, by money at all. But, but you know, naturally, there are people who will want to work with the older age groups because, you know, it, it makes. Why wouldn't you? You, you get paid more money, and you know, particularly if you work in the youth team and beyond, you, you, you work in more sociable hours. You know, so uh, these foundation phase coaches not being paid. What I think they deserve to be paid is a, is a real bugbear of mine. Yeah. Okay. And just uh, just on that, then you know, it's it's, it's quite interesting because you know in some countries they actually end up paying the foundation phase coaches more, don't they? Mm. Um, I know certainly in Italy and uh, yeah, some of the big academies over there, mm. um, they actually heavily invest much more in the foundation phase staff than they do in the I guess the youth development, the professional development phase. Mm. So it's quite interesting. You know, to see whether that will ever eventually change, and I think for a lot of coaches that is probably a barrier in them taking that step to coming into the academy environment in the first place. Mm. Um, you touched on something, and you know you, you did touch on it briefly. Um, and the message was essentially don't be in a rush. But if you could go back to yourself at the start of your journey, alongside that whole aspect of don't be in a rush, get to the next stage. What is there anything else that you would tell Josh Brayo at the start of his coaching journey? Or maybe that fourteen-year-old thinking, "I'm not quite going to make it. Um, I'm going to focus on coaching." Yeah, uh, I think I think you've obviously that what you've mentioned there already is is uh, you know like I highlighted earlier is key, but also being authentic, which again I think I've touched on a few times already. You know, you've got to be you've got to be yourself. You've got to 
you've got to coach what you believe. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that's absolutely, absolutely paramount. Um, you know, you, you've got to have a real, uh, a real, real belief in what, in what you do. And I think that um, that doesn't mean you can't adapt. That doesn't mean you can't evolve. But I think that, you know, you, you people will have ideas and if they're that passionate about them, um, you know, that they're going to, that's going to form the bedrock of how they work. And I think that sort of, um, you know, there are managers who've been highly successful over, over the period of time who have a real, real set way. Um, and, and if I used someone like, for example, an Arsene Wenger who had great success and as his, and as sort of time progressed, people then started to question whether or not Arsenal needed to change because they didn't necessarily win the, the, the amount of uh, competitions, trophies that, that they had once upon a time. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, he got a lot of stick, but I think that, um, I think that the reason he, he was the way he was because mm. he was so passionate. He's, it was a belief. It was a true belief in, in, in the way that of working to ultimately, um, to ultimately um, you know, uh, gain success. And, and similarly, now you look at the, 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 current, the current top, top uh, managers and, uh, in, in Guardiola and, and Klopp. I think that um, you know, their, their mm. belief in their idea is so strong. Um, you know, yeah. they are so authentic, um, you know, and, and, and ultimately they're, they're different personality. You know, everyone's got their own personality. And that's, uh, you know, when I say being authentic, I'm, I, I've got a huge admiration for, um, for, the way that, uh, for the way that both Guardiola and, and, and Klopp work. I've got huge sort of admiration for uh, the pers- their personality and the way that they, they are as, as, as individuals as well. Um, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to copy. I'm not going to try and. I'm not going to try and mimic them. I'm not going to try and copy them. You know, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be me. I'm going to work in the way that I want to work. So, I think that that's really, really key. You've got to be authentic. You can't. You can't look at somebody and go, oh, I aspire to, to, to be like him and, and work in the way that he works," because I think players will see through that. Definitely. Um, just no, you touched on it again, and I'm sure. Um, you've got massive ambitions, and you've been very fortunate, and you've very you've had a very uh, successful, I guess, journey so far. What would you say is next for Josh Brail? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a Macklin might be listening here. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think um, as I've as I've touched on, I think that um, I I'm very very well aware that. Um, you know where I'm currently at. I've got to very quickly, and I'm very, very um, keen to try and be the best I can be in the in the in in ultimately what I'm employed to do right now. And the more experience and, and uh, you know year, um, years worth of, of of coaching experience and management experience I get working with the players I'm currently working at, then ultimately, hopefully, I can help the players. In years to come, in, uh, in in those ages, be better. So, so at the moment, that's my focus. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think you know, I've, I've I've alluded to what I'd like to do. So that's you know, in the long term, that's 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 my long term ambition for sure. Fantastic. And just you know, just one last thing. You kind of touched on it, I think, possibly in the previous question, a little bit. If you had sixty seconds now um, to leave one golden nugget with the listeners. What would that be? In that you know, something that they can maybe apply to their own journeys and I guess their own uh, 
yeah, their day to day and develop their own selves as, as coaches and potential, uh, I guess, people within the game. Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, from a from a football point, well, from a coaching point of view, in terms of uh, the actual the actual what it looks like and 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 uh, the actual sort of delivery of coaching, I think that if I think if it looks like football, it probably is. I think that that's that's really important. You know, when you you, you practice design is let's just let's stop you on that one there briefly. You want to just go into a bit more detail around what that looks. Like? I think there's it's quite sometimes a, a, I guess a, a a lack of clarity or some disparity in terms of what that actually means when people say does it, if it looks like football. Well, I think that if if I think every, if every, if any coach can get to a point whereby there there's a, where where they are actually coaching in a game because ultimately that's what we do on a weekend we coach in a game right. So, so if training, uh, if training um, can replicate that, whereby you're able to coach effectively when there's 22 players on the pitch or, or whatever it is, if it's 9v9 or 7v7, if you can coach in a game, then you've got to a point whereby, um, whereby you know that what the, the experience the players are having and the, the, the repetition the players are getting is ultimately what the game's going to look like when when they're playing mm. uh, on a Saturday, on a Sunday, whenever it may be. So, uh, so and again, uh, what I, I think it's really important to stress that I'm not saying everyone should just be playing 77 for an hour. I'm not saying that at all because um, it, there's so many. You know, we could talk all day about about the, the different types of uh, uh, of training and different types of practice and, and the, the trade offs and benefits of, of each. So. So not for a minute am I saying that, but what I would say, what I'm trying to get to is that the hardest mm. thing to do is coaching the game. You know, the more play, the more players you throw into the equation, the more things you've got going on, the harder it is to observe certain things, and therefore the more challenging it becomes to really, um, you know, have a have an impact on 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 everybody and 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 you know help every player. So when when you're practice when you're putting your practices on, I think you start at that point whereby you go right. This is what the this is what it looks like in the end, i.e. eleven v eleven, and then you break down your practice so that it looks like a segment of the game, a part of the game. So you might put on a three v two practice, for example, a three v two overload practice that specifically mm-hmm. looks like a certain part of the pitch, and it might be you might then be able to um, give experiences to a, a left winger who's receiving on the side, for example who's receiving on the side who naturally hasn't got much space to go down the outside and, and the fullback naturally has got, um, uh, you know, the right back playing against him has got more opportunities to practice showing that wide player in, you know, off the field or, or however that may look, it's looking like what they're going to have to do in a game. Um, so that would just be one really basic example. So, I think that you know that 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 that's an example of how a three v two practice can look like the game. Um, that, that's kind of my point. So you start at the end point and work back in terms of your practice design. And I think if you get that right, um, you know, then then you're not going to be going too far wrong. <laughs> um, I'm conscious that's longer than sixty seconds. There was a couple of other things I potentially mentioned. A couple of different points in there. I think, but I think that ultimately is you know correct me if I'm wrong, but it's ultimately coach the game the way the way it looks. Yes. Yeah. Coach the game the way it looks, not rather than. And I, why I ask for a bit more clarity for you on that is because I think there's a lot of coaches who will say, "Oh well, uh, we're playing, we're going to do mm. this practice, and 
just because there's a football involved. Like, yeah, but it looks like the game because there's a ball involved. Yeah, I think I think if, if, if players are if players are, are asking you 15 questions before the practice starts yeah. because they don't understand the structure of the practice, then then that's probably enough Too to much. tell you you've gone you've gone wrong somewhere. Fantastic. Um, look, Josh, it's been that's a very me. fantastic conversation for us. Um, certainly for myself, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very, very insightful to get a bit more understand about your experiences, your journey, and how you've progressed, and some of the things that you've dealt with. Um, and really, again, I can't say enough. You, you come across as a very humble person, no, um, and I think one of the key ingredients, and I'm sure it will be prevalent for the rest of your career, hopefully, is that element of gratitude that you have shown, and that, that real, real appreciation for the opportunities that you've been given. Mm. And I think that goes a long way so certainly for any coaches listening to this or anyone listening to this I think you can start practicing those elements of uh, you know gratitude in your day to day I think you will definitely receive more on the back end of that mm. um, so Josh yeah, appreciate again, Josh. for the conversation today it's been very very insightful mm. hope you've enjoyed no thank, um, thank you guys I'm, I'm you know I'm really uh, really really enjoyed it and, and hopefully the people listening to this as well have, uh, have been able to maybe take maybe take something you know that's that's really important isn't it when you go mm. on when you listen to a, uh, something you know or you go on a course if you take one thing from it if you maybe take it'll be your thing, five minute or the nugget experience as far as, <laughs> as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah yeah perhaps Definitely. um gosh before we let it go if, if there's any listeners that would like to get in touch with you in any way um do you want to just let them know how they can go about doing that yeah for sure i mean um I'm, I'm uh, the social media um, platforms that I use are, are Twitter, um, which is is just my uh, is my name. Um, so at Josh Breo, um, which uh, the, the the spelling will be that, in the description uh, is is yeah. not as it's pronounced, but um, yeah, that that's uh, I think are you're gonna yeah are you yeah you're gonna you're gonna um, show that I think, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So again, if you you, you search my name on LinkedIn, I'm I'm uh, I'm on there, and they're the, they're the two platforms that I use that I communicate with people, with football people, through. So yeah, by all means, um, you know, people who want to touch base, you know, more than welcome to. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.